You're listening to the Entrepreneur Ignited Podcast, where we aim to simplify online business so you can make more money. Now, here's your host, Derek Gale. Welcome to the Entrepreneur Ignited Podcast, a podcast designed to skip the hype, skip the BS, and bring you real actionable tips and strategies to help you grow your business and income on the internet. This is your host, Derek Gale, and today we are going to be diving deep into outbound selling. And this is an area that I find so many digital entrepreneurs overlooking because we get so focused on the inbound, trying to attract people to us and letting our websites do the conversion. And I mean, hey, that's great. But the fact is, is in, in many businesses, particularly if you're in, let's say, B2B or you're selling higher ticket items, outbound selling should be a part of your overall marketing strategy or you're probably leaving a lot of money on the table. And I'm speaking from experience because in my past companies, I've had large internal sales teams doing that outbound selling and I can see the huge results that it can generate. So to help jumpstart the outbound selling in your business, I have an outbound selling expert, Peter O'Donohue on today's show. Peter, thanks for joining me. Oh, my absolute pleasure. Thank you for letting me uh, come and be an interviewee on your podcast. Fantastic. Now, before we get started, uh, can you just take a second and expand on my introduction? More specifically, you know, share your journey as an entrepreneur. How did you get started and what was your path to now becoming this outbound selling expert? (laughs) <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's funny. It's something that I was chatting uh, with somebody else with recently is when did I start selling it? So uh, th- I guess an easy way is I, I kind of left school and went to university. I'm, I'm from the UK. I'm from a country within the UK called Wales. And I did a construction related degree because that's what my family did. They ran a construction business. And I did a four year, if anyone knows, quantity surveying degree. And, and part of that was I did a, a year working as a quantity surveyor and and I distinctly remember having my graduation uh, ceremony and being handed my awards and thinking to myself man I am never ever going to work as a quantity surveyor <laughs> my entire life because <laughs> it just uh, is not me <laughs> you know and no offense if any you know if you've got any quantity surveyors have transitioned and are still doing that but you know it just wasn't my personality but you know when I look back you know it makes sense so I guess I had my first sales job I guess when I was about 13 when I started working in a, we have a, a market in the center of, of Cardiff where I'm from and there's a pet shop uh, in there and I started selling I got a Saturday job selling when I was about 13 uh, and, and pretty much kind of did Saturday jobs throughout my entire sort of teens and things and I think I was very lucky I think it's an upbringing thing as well my folks uh you know, did okay for themselves, had a family business, but their motto was, yeah, we're not giving you anything for nothing. So if you go out and earn money, I'll double what you earn. That's great. But, you know, if you don't go out and earn, if you don't go out and win, then you're not getting anything off us. So I think that was a big upbringing, uh, you know, lesson for me. Uh, so I left university, decided that I wasn't going to do this job that I just trained four years for. Uh, and I ended up going into a, sort of a sales support position, if you like, managing three salespeople doing outbound called calling and sales administration and kind of progressed through the ranks reasonably quickly, you know, um, and just you know, managed to, to make a, a good sales role and then kind of progressed. The company I was with got bought out by a bigger company. They got bought out by a bigger company and it sort of culminated, I guess, in, in selling quite large value IT and, and managed services solutions into the private sector and the, the public sector, you know, anything from you know, a couple of hundred K to you know, many, many millions worth of software and services and managed services. And it kind of progressed from that into, into training the companies that we used to acquire. We used to acquire a lot of companies so we could uh, commercialize their technology and pull it into our, our main offerings. Uh, so part of that was a, a train and, and commercialize and see how we could make revenue from the, the tech that we would acquire. Uh, and then kind of just you know, the natural cr- progression from that was to go out onto my own and, uh, and train and consult and, and ended up consulting and training with a lot of technology-based companies. Uh, so, you know, in, in I get the olden days, I guess if you put a picture up of, of me, you'll see that you know, I've got far too many gray hairs and <laughs> you know, it shows I've been around a, a fair while. Uh, and, you know, it was back in the cold calling days. You know, so I used to do a lot of cold calling training, teaching 
what we call black book salespeople, you know, high value IT salespeople to, to ring and, and make appointments with very senior people to go and get access to those very senior people, you know, traditionally in the in the IT sector. So that's pretty much my background. Okay. So so in other words, you've been you, you've been basically selling all your life. Uh, yeah, in one guise or another, yeah. But then I think we all do. You know, I think we all do. Well, and, and the reason I say that is, is you know, as an entrepreneur, uh, I think one of the most important skills you need to succeed in the long term is the ability to sell. Um, if you can't sell, uh, yeah, well, I mean, effectively, <laughs> you need to be able to sell, whether you're selling your ideas, selling your products, selling um, – Whatever it is, it, it's an invaluable skill. Now, we're going to dive into outbound selling. And, uh, I mean, you mentioned some words when you were talking there that I know are going to scare <laughs> the bejesus out of, out of our, uh, some of our listeners. Term, terminology like cold calling. I mean, people have nightmares about that. And, and so explain, you know, first of all, what is outbound selling? How is it different than inbound? And you know, what kind of businesses should be using it? Okay, yeah, perfect. So, so outbound selling is, yeah, so a lot of people will associate that with cold calling. But outbound selling, in its purest sense, is identifying your ideal prospect, identifying their ideal prospect profile, and making direct outbound contact with them. And that can be via the telephone, it could be via cold email, it can be via LinkedIn, uh, it can be via you know, even Twitter and social media nowadays. Um, but it's the process of, of creating value identifying who you can take that value to and being very proactive and going out and approaching them and offering them some value. So why there's a, a difference between that and inbound, you know, I guess a lot of your, your users or your followers are very interested in the inbound side is you get to a point where, you know, especially as you grow higher, so, you know, a high ticket, definitely B2B, that you may find that your inbound leads are just not of the right quality. So either you can't control the quantity or you can't control the quality. And one of the reasons for that is, you know, there's a huge study, one of the biggest ever studies into where senior people in the top US organizations spend their time in a buying process. And it was run uh, a few years back by Kino Flagler Business School, uh, IBM, and a couple of other institutions. And what they found was that they broke the sales process or the buying process down into eight segments. And the most senior people in companies generally only get involved in the first three segments. And then they pretty much ditch out and leave it to other people in the organization. And those first three segments are understanding the current issues in you know, the business environment, establishing long-range business objectives, and setting short and long-range business strategy. Once they've done that, and if you notice, a lot of that is about strategy and objectives. Once they've done that, they would hand it over to more of the middle management level. And that's where most of that inbound happens, where you put it to the middle management and they start looking at, OK, we've got our strategy. We've got what we're looking to achieve. And we might have a good idea of maybe some of the tech or the solution. And now we're going to go out and start inquiring you know, via Google searches, downloading white papers, and they might even have an idea of who they want to do it, but they're looking to validate that that's the right company, find other companies to benchmark them. So one of the key things about Outbound is being able to get access to people before they've set their strategy and helping them set their long-range business strategy. So much so that, and again, sorry, it, Derek, if I'm going on too much, you know, jump in and sure, and, yeah, yeah, and yeah. No, I'm me. fascinated, so I'm, not, I'm listening away. <laughs> so much so that uh, in in one or two of the companies that you know I've worked in previously, if we had bids sent to us, you know, someone would send us a multi-million pound bid. If we didn't write that bid, we would refuse to bid because it was a waste of time. Because what we knew is some salesperson from another company had contacted that company earlier than us, had managed to ingratiate themselves in there in one way or the other, developed the relationship, developed the rapport, and had helped them write the specification to turn 
their, you know, what they're looking at for the current issues, their business objectives, a long-range strategy, to turn that into a document that they could go out to tender for. Once that had been done, there was only ever going to be one winner. And it wasn't us. Yeah. Once that document's written, it was never, ever going to be us. So that's one of the key things about Outbound is, you know, it's helping you target about, it's called sort of, it's almost like the blue ocean strategy. You know, inbound is great for the maybe eight, nine, 10%, depending on what statistical research you look at, is actively looking and searching for what your, your products and your services are providing. But that still leaves, you know, 80, 90 percent in the market that may not be looking at this point in time. And if you can engage with them, you can develop a relationship with them. You can educate them. You can position yourself as an expert. And if then further down the line, you know, whether it's weeks or months that that then comes to fruition and they go, go ahead with the project, they are never, ever going to look elsewhere. So that's one perspective. And secondly, you know, there are simple instances where you just cannot access the right person by an inbound methodology. So a, a recent client was a, a senior consultant and his target market, he had about 4,000 CEOs of U.S. manufacturing companies, what we call mid-tier. So they were a turnover of, of 50 million to I think it was uh, four, 500 million who had an operations in another country that wasn't the US. You know, and he had to speak to the CEO. You know, those guys don't live on LinkedIn. They don't engage in LinkedIn groups. You know, they don't uh, download white papers. They're absolutely manic, global operators. Uh, so outbound was the way to unlock that relationship and get into, in to be able to engage with those guys. Uh, yeah, and... Uh, <laughs> I could, the point that you drove home there, which really stood out to me, is is just to summarize for everybody listening. You know, <laughs> you, you you cannot control, always control the quality and quantity of an of an inbound lead. And to get to the right people, if you want to do it, you got to go out and you got to be pursuing that outbound methodology. Now. Now that you've covered some of the basics, you have a system that you consider to be sort of the, that number one outbound prospecting model. So let's transition to that now. Give us the overview uh, of what that model is, and then let's dive deeper into some of the specifics. Yeah, fantastic. Okay, so when you look at outbound, you know, there's a couple of different ways to do it. So let's start with, with LinkedIn. So anyway, there's LinkedIn. You can do outbound via LinkedIn, and you can do that via uh, you know looking at people's profiles. <laughs> I saw the podcast that you had a couple of weeks ago with, uh, or a couple of episodes ago with with Dave. You know, looking at their their profiles and then contacting you. Yeah, personally, I think that's a little passive, but I know that's only part of of a you know a bigger system. Uh, you're sending direct messages. So that's one way of doing it. You've also then got cold calling. And within cold calling itself, there's a whole argument within people who, you know, is cold calling right or is it wrong? And people who take positions are looking to polarize their audience to, to get a following. You know, this cold mm -hmm. calling works or it sucks or it does, you know. But realistically, there's warm calling. And there's a great guy called Art. And I won't even try to. It's Art Sobchak. And I always, you know, apologies if I've got the pronunciation. He wrote a, a book called Smart Calling. You know, and I think it's a great book. And it's about intelligently outbound uh, telephoning. And then you've got cold emailing. And cold emailing is, uh, is predominantly the single biggest outbound strategy that's happening today. It's, it's the strategy that launched Salesforce as an organization. Believe it or not, it was instrumental in the growth of HubSpot. Uh, there's a company in the, in the US at the moment called Zenefits that in uh, a little over two years has gone from zero to a 4.5 billion valuation. And that's a software as a service organization. And they use predominantly cold email. So, um, you know, so when I was speaking to a friend of mine that's a branding guy and he was saying, like, you know, you're predominantly you're cold emailing, you should be known as the cold emailing expert. So, you know, but yeah, my stuff's more than that because what a lot of people don't, I've got cold calling experience, so I pull the best from that. You know, I've got LinkedIn experience, I pull the best from that. And that's what my system is. And that's why I believe it's, you know, it's rightly the number one outbound prospecting solution because it's pulling in the best of how you can use LinkedIn. It's pulling in the best of how you can use cold emailing 
as and I use cold emailing predominantly as the bridge before the cold call, and then I've got a, a real twist and a slant on that. Um, so you know, I'm not trying to attempt to sell via cold email. When I say cold email, it's a very highly targeted one-to-one email. Unlike marketing automation, that maybe you know some of the listeners are used to. It's tar- it's writing a very targeted one-to-one email. So my system pulls all the best of that too. So you know, imagine a system whereby you know you can get a, a piece of software there. You go and look at your. Say you've got five thousand target prospects in the U.S. and that's it. So you can you can have a look at their profiles using an automated piece of software, you know, a Google Chrome plugin, and hope they'll come and look at your profile. And that's great. So you get that to pump Prime, but then three days later they get a very highly personalized cold email that follows up from that. And then they're, you know, and that's very strategically written. And I, we, we create ours. That there's only one response we're looking for. We're not pitching. We're not selling. We're only looking for someone to reply. And we get high, high response rates, you know, 20, 30, 40, even 60, 70% response rates off some of those emails. But if they don't answer the first one, they go into what we call a cadence. So they get a second one, third one, a fourth one. And we can even combine that. So if they haven't responded on the fourth one, we can change the emphasis of the email to maybe drive them towards a landing page where we can retarget them and then start showing them banner ads to come back and, and book a call with us. You know, so my system pulls in all the best bits of all these disparate different ways you know because i don't believe that one way is the right way you have to take the best and you have to pull a system together that uses every available way of doing outbound okay so so just to clarify now the system that we're talking about here um in the prospecting system that we're looking at, it's not about just picking up a phone and cold calling somebody. So you're using these online channels to start prospecting. Now, you're talking about cold emailing. Now, let's take a step back before that. If I had a, you know, let's say a, a software system I built, I want to sell it to B2B, and uh, I know that I need to get to this decision maker in the company, let's say it's the CEO. And yep. so... Uh, are you using primarily LinkedIn? How I guess the question is, is how are you getting the emails in the first place? Ah, cool. Well, you know, we have never been in such an advantageous situation to find data. Uh, and it's not just about an email address anymore. It's about there's so much more available. So my system operates at three levels. So if you imagine uh, a pyramid, and you dissect that pyramid from from left to right, it could equally be right to left into three segments. So at the bottom segment, I have what I call mass. So with mass is when you've got an idea about maybe the target profile, but you're not writing one-to-one. So a lot of software as a service companies that are clients and technology companies that are clients use this methodology. Because again, one of the other advantages of outbound is, you know, if you're a software as a service company and you've got to hit a certain level of monthly recurring revenue quickly, otherwise the company doesn't exist, you know, you've got to act fast. Um, so in that instance, you profile your ideal prospect, you pull out you know, certain characteristics. And then, yeah, you, there are certain services available that, you can build a list utilizing LinkedIn's advanced search capabilities. So their job title, what style of business, the number of employees, the regional uh, analysis of where they are, you know, potentially how much experience they got depending on, you know, the search capabilities of your LinkedIn membership. But what these services do is instead of pulling the email address from LinkedIn itself, which one is against terms of service, and two will not give you a valid email address because our studies show that about 80 to 85% of people use their personal email address within LinkedIn. And it makes sense because if they're going to be headhunted or sacked, you know, they want to keep and retain their LinkedIn profile. Mm-hmm. But what they do, it's the single best place where they keep their profile updated. So it's generally the first thing they do when they change company. So what that gives us is their first name, their last name and their company name. So there are services around and they're appearing from everywhere. One called Salesloft was the first one. There's another one called Cellhack. There's another one called Found.ly. And then there's, you know, a whole raft more sales intelligence. What they do is they, they act as a, 
a, a wrapper around LinkedIn. And when you're building your list of these people, they take the first name and the last name, the company name from the profile. They'll then go away as their first shot. They will create permutations of what that email address could be based on statistical relevance. So, you know, first name dot last name at company name dot com is the number one most statistically relevant. And then they'll go away and check to see if that email actually exists via email checking services. If it's not, they'll go through to the next one and go through to the next one. If they don't find any instances of that email being live, they all have slight differences in how they do it. One of the other ways that some of the systems do it is they will then go away and analyze instances of email addresses that they find from that company. So if they find 10 other email addresses from that company and they're all first initial dot last initial, they'll come at it and they'll say, okay, well, you know, we found 10 other email addresses. So statistically, there's a very high probability that the email address for this person is going to be first initial dot uh, last name at company name dot com. So it's effectively making educated guesses at what the email addresses are. Now, curious because I, I I didn't even know these companies existed that would do <laughs> would do this. Um, oh, and they they you know I can I'll tell you a couple maybe in a minute that will blow your mind even more if you think they're amazing. Uh, there's more. So he, I, he, here's where I'm fascinated. So you go out and let's say you guess the email, like you use the system and it figures out, okay, the, the, here's the CEO's email address of you know, company Y and you want to reach out to him. Now, first of all, because you're sending an actual personal email, you're not sending bulk email, correct? So you're not building a list of say 200 people and then mass mailing them? Look, it depends where you are in the continuum and what your business objective is. So as I was saying, yeah. there's mass at the bottom. You know, you know, there's people, and this is how Salesforce grew. So mass, they were sending out about 15, each SDR, they call themselves development rep, were sending out about 1,500 emails uh, a month. First email, and then everyone would get a second, third, and fourth, possibly a fifth. But they were a template. Yeah. But they were doing it about eight years ago. And the template was what was is I call it a, 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 a purposely vague template. So it was, you know, I wonder if you can help me point me in the direction of the person responsible for marketing. Uh, and the reason it was done so vague is because you were looking to elicit a response. Mm -hmm. Because once you get a response, you can begin to engage. Um, the system that was developed, it was developed by a chap called Aaron Ross, and he's written a brilliant book called Predictable Revenue. The only thing I would say, read the book, but be wary that it was written a very long time ago in this field. I mean, it's a couple of years ago, and that's a, a dinosaur's age in this field. <laughs> yeah. um, and and you know, I don't think that's really that viable anymore. But with the technology that we have now, you can actually personalize en masse those emails. Because, you know, if you do the research properly, you know their title, you know their style of company, you might mm -hmm. know their size, you might know how many employees, you might know their other services will tell you what round of funding you know, that they've had if it's, you know, more tech and software. You know, and it depends on where you get the data from, they tell you others. So you, can st you might know that uh, they're very relevant to certain customers or clients that you've got. So you can start building these up into different sort of spreadsheet pages or however you're accumulating that data. And then when you import them into the outbound cold emailing technology, obviously you can do merge fields and you can, you know, we've got it where you can do, you know, reasonably mass, but it would appear that that email is coming from a one-to-one -one person and it's written specifically for that individual. And, but and, the only thing I would say is, you know, but that's when companies really, so, and that's mass. You know, and I wouldn't always advocate mass. It's, you know, there's reasons why you would do that level of quantity. One, it's great if you're launching a new product or service or a new company, especially if you're launching something like a SaaS or you've got a new product, because it allows you to penetrate the market really, really quickly. So you can begin to get into conversations with people quicker than you ever could with any other methodology. Um, you know, and or if you're launching into a new company, so working with a, a client recently that's brilliant in the UK, no presence in the US, so they can very quickly hit the US. But the next one above that is is what I recommend most people operate in. It's what I call named accounts, and that's where you know you might be doing say 200 a month, but you do research on the organisation, and yes, you use templates as the basis of that, but you're pulling in very specific information that you've researched. 
you know, it does take more than five minute five minutes worth of research per company, and you can pull up a very very unique cold email specific to that person, and that's very 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 uh, purposely said there. You know, it's not specific to the company; it's specific to the person and the company. Okay, so and now I know for any of the email marketers that are sitting here listening to this conversation and it popped into my head is if 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 I'm super customizing it and you know it it's very relevant to that person the likelihood of getting any let's say a spam complaint would uh would be low but if you're going to do this using a mass system let's say we hit a thousand people using automated technology where does that fall into the realm of unsolicited email yeah, so very, very good question. So one, you know, again, so mass, I would suggest that you, you know, it has to be a very unique set of circumstances to do that nowadays. So most people would be in the named account. So when you can either send it via your Gmail or there are systems available, you know, and this isn't even cloak and dagger. You know, there are systems that are major enterprise organizations providing this technology now. So Tout and Yesware are two, and they are now, you know, enterprise level companies in their own right with significant backing mm-hmm. um, that allow you to do it by the service. But in terms of the legality, this is very, very different to uh, what most people would think about, you know, email marketing. So one, and I'm not, I'm not offering legal advice here, you know, you know, certain countries, you know, you know, Canada specifically, and I think Germany in, in Europe as well, you know, but in terms of can spam, so you, as long as you follow certain guidelines, you are absolutely within the CAN-SPAN compliancy. So one, you obviously have to have your uh, full address there. You have to give a, a, a method to opt out. And like, uh, well, unlike email marketing, you know, it doesn't have to be, you know, click here to unsubscribe. And in fact, I get my clients not to do that because, you know, that's going to trigger spam. Um it could just be something as simple as, you know, uh, you know, one of the kind of tongue-in-cheek ones I get clients to do is, you know, uh, you know, we found your organization while doing some research to see about people that might be a fit for our solution. You know, if you want, us to, if you want me to stop contacting you, just hit reply, say stop, and I'll never darken your door again. You know, something simple <laughs> than tongue-in-cheek. Yeah, for sure. You know, okay. tongue-in-cheek like that. Um, yeah. Uh, and yeah, and there's a couple of other things. You know, the headers must uh, must not represent who you're co- who you're sending it from. You know, the subject line must uh, misrepresent the body of the email. All of these different things. Mm-hmm. But the key thing is, um, you know, and there are some technology things behind it. You know, you've got to make sure that you know you, you've got your DKIM set up. You know, a little sure. bit out of my. But you know, this tech stuff. But the key thing is about this. If you're sending them out and you believe that you're going to get spam complaints, you're doing it wrong. Totally. Because agree. because realistically, they should be a one-to-one email. You know, so it's not flashy HTML. They generally, you know, they might be HTML, but they're text-based emails. Uh, and generally, it's to a, it's one business person to another, and you know, it's not a hard pitch, and it, it's not you know the last thing you want to do is hey hey we're this company and this is what we sell and we're brilliant at this and we do this and we do this you know they're, they're not like that at all they're generally short you know three to five lines and they're eliciting a response in most in most cases so the key thing is you know uh, and I've got a, a video training and I, I think the free video training looks at the can spam and uh, the compliance I can't quite remember I just have to check but you know the key thing is. Is if you're worried about cancer spam, one, you're doing it wrong, but you are well within your rights to do it as long as you follow those basic guidelines. That may change in the future. You know, I really don't know. Mm-hmm. You know these things are always changing. So that's why, you know, if you're going to do something like this, you know, speak to a professional that's up to it at, at that at the, the time that you're going to do it. So, okay, so now as we're moving through this process and you've given us a lot of good information here on, and to totally open my eyes to what's actually <laughs> – I had no idea that there was companies <laughs> out there that would do that level of, of research and, and, and finding these emails for you. So let's oh, say we, we – can I can I tell you about one other? Can you hold that question for 10 seconds? I'm holding. Let me yep. just tell you about one other because this, this one will blow your mind. So – so right at the top of the tree, I've got what we call trigger events. So, uh, and this is not mine, it's, you know, it's a known concept in B2B sales. So a trigger event is when there's something happening within an organization that means now is the right time to engage. So it, it might be a change in that organization. It might be something that they're doing, but maybe they wouldn't have been receptive before or they wouldn't even consider it before, but something has happened now that means they might 
they might engage with you. So one is, you know, something like a, a new person coming in or a person leaving, because generally when you're trying to sell something, a person in that role might have had a vested interest in buying it. And they've got an emotional tie into that thing that they bought. Whereas, especially if it's like a VP of sales, the VP of sales has just come in and the previous guy wasn't performing, you know, they've got to hit it hard. They've got to come in and prove their worth. And if you can ring them up or send them a cold email within a couple of days of them joining that organization and offer them something, you know, uh, an insight into what other people in that industry are doing to make a big impact, God, they're going to want to speak to you. You know, and there are services that monitor, you know, people leaving and people coming and they call trigger alert services. But the the one that I thought you would like is there's a, a piece of software called Datanize. What Datanize does is it scours the internet for people using certain technology. And every day it goes out and finds them. And every day if it finds a change, it will email you. And that might sound simplistic, but say if you're a digital marketer that's progressing, you started a digital marketing agency, or you've started a SaaS-based product or service, and you've got a competitor. And that competitor, when they engage with a prospect, it involves putting some type of code or some type of searchable signature that you can find. Datanize will find it. So say if they offer a 14-day free trial, they offer their, their customer or their prospect a 14-day free trial. He takes it on and he puts it on into his, his web page or however it's done. Datanize will find that the next day or send you an email and say, hey, here's 100 companies that have taken up a trial of your competitor's product. Oh yesterday oh. and not only not only that <laughs> not only that you can click a button it will go away and do the same thing that i've said earlier about things like sales loft and it will go and find their email addresses for you within the same system and not, you can then search on multiple ones so if you're a did you know because you know conscious of your audience you know if you're in digital marketing and you're you're maybe moving into consultancy in digital marketing you can find out companies that use um, Marketo, who use Salesforce, Marketo, and Tautap. You know, who use a combination of all three, if that's your ideal. Wow. And it will send you emails of that. So again, you know, so if, if you get an email that says, look, here's 50 companies that took on your competitor's software as a service product within the last couple of days, you know, <laughs> you're not going to go and place a Facebook ad or a LinkedIn ad uh, and try and target in that way using inbound. You know, you're going to cold email them. You're going to pick up the phone. You're going to do whatever you can to get in there and disrupt that 14-day trial because you've got a limited time frame to disrupt that opportunity and make it yours. Oh, that's, it's huge. And, and meanwhile, your competitors have no idea how you keep poaching all their trials. <laughs> yeah, unless, unless they're up on the game, you know, and don't get me wrong. You know, but, the, you know, I, I, I know all this stuff, and believe me, it's going to be huge in a couple of years. So Datanize, Mark Cuban's just invested in it. So, you know, yeah. he's, he, he's not a daft guy. He can spot <laughs> what's going on. So, you know... All of this type of stuff is is in the, you know, I deal a lot in the software as a service business industry. But, you know, those guys, they know a lot of this second nature. But if you're a, a HR consultant or a digital marketing consultant or, you know, if you're selling B2B something else, you know, God, you know like I can imagine printers, you know, it, it only takes a, you know, a, a printer in a certain region to take on some of these tools and strategies, you know, and all their competition is going to be left for dusk, you know, in a couple of years, they're going to be scratching their heads thinking, man, where did all my business go? <laughs> That's incredible. Okay, so, so the company was called Datanize, like D A T A N I Z E. Uh, D A T A N Y Z E. Y Z E. That's interesting. That's that's fascinating. Wow. Huh. That. Okay. All right. So, so you've blown my mind on what's and available. I've got loads more, Terry. I, oh, I could keep God. going for another hour just on the tech. Of what we yeah, we're gonna have to do another podcast here because um, <laughs> this is fascinating too. I love this stuff, and 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 for everybody listening, like I mean, this is the future of what's going on. And uh, I know we have lots of people, lots of software people that are listening to this, and lots of consultants as well. I could just see uh, from a consulting standpoint how you can go out there and find clients utilizing this stuff is incredible. Now, yeah, and and don't get me wrong. Sorry to interject again. Yeah, yeah. I I told you this might be a problem because I'm so passionate about yeah. this. Here. <laughs> you know, and I work with people, and I show, I tell them that, and they say, "Well, I could never use that." You know, for example, a HR consultant. Well, I could never use. That. I'm not technology based. Oh. You know, 
And I said, well, hang on. You know, say if you're selling big HR products or solution consultancy services, you know, look at your last 50 biggest clients. You know, there might be, say, a commonality about the stage of growth that's indicated by a technology they've adopted. So did they invest in a big ERP solution or a big HR management platform, maybe six months? If you can find that before you engage them, you know, how magical would it be if you could find that commonality you could pull out that, you know, companies are now just getting to growth stage and they've invested in that ERP or HR management system. And you know, in about six months time, they're going to come into problems and they're going to need a consulting service. That gives you six months head start. You know, when you start thinking like that, what you can do with this technology, it's just amazing. Yeah, and, and you're right. It's the guy, it's the people that are thinking outside the box, adopting this technology early that are, that are going to take over markets and leave everybody Absolutely. scratching their head. Yeah, we, you know, absolutely. You look at Zenefit, you know, uh, they're not a client of mine, Christ almighty. You know, so, but, you know, they've, they've, from standing start, they've got quite a unique solution. But from zero to 4.5 billion valuation in just over two years. Wow. Predominantly outbound. Yeah. Predominantly outbound. Yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's solid growth. I wouldn't complain. <laughs> <laughs> that's re- reasonable. <laughs> okay, so... Here's, here's the other place where I know people are like, great, I now know how to get the prospects. But once I have a prospect, we've talked about the cold email. You've talked about dropping it into their, dropping it into their inbox, you know, with just, just trying to get a response. Okay. Yeah. What do you do when you get the response? <laughs> oh, well, funny enough, I've got a solution for that as well. <laughs> <laughs> well, what a coincidence. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, otherwise it wouldn't be the number one uh. solution. It would only be a part of the solution. <laughs> and this is, you know, I don't wish to blow my own trumpet around, but, you know, this is where I, I think there's a big difference because, you know, I've got the gray hairs and, you know, I've made cold calls and I've lived in that hard, harsh environment where, you know, you do things that maybe you don't like to do or, you know, and don't get me wrong, you know, there's times I've loved cold calling and times I've hated it. But, you know, I've seen the harder side to it. So there are people teaching cold email uh, beside from me. But predominantly what I see the recommendation is, so you send an email, they reply, and if they don't reply with anything, you know, if they reply with anything but please contact me, they send another email. And for me, you know, I just, I, you know, it frustrates me because, you know, the only reason we're sending emails is to get them to reply to pick up the phone or you know, they're, they're inviting them to a calendar to book a, uh, book their own meeting because I, all of a sudden it's, I want to automate everything. I don't want to speak to people. Uh, and that's wrong. You know, the only reason we do this is to get into a human-centric conversation. If you're B2B or high ticket, you have got to speak to people. You cannot automate that out of the sales process. So, you know, if you think about what people are going to respond with, so part of my system is I get people to think about the response. So obviously you've got please contact me, and that's a no-brainer. You know, you pick the phone up and you speak to them. But then you're going to have things like, you know, I'm not interested, I'm in contract, um, I'm too big, I'm too small, we do it in-house. So the core underlying kind of process is firstly we create value. So I've got a concept, and funny enough, it's it's a lot like a lot of the concepts that you know maybe some of your listeners are more aware of. That uh, this called create value in advance. You know they do in their inbound marketing. So I've used this concept for years. So I've taken your first meeting, whether it's a face-to-face meeting or an online product demonstration or a strategy call or discovery call, and you productize it. And I've got like five or six different ways you do it. But essentially. You're not talking about what it's like to become a customer. You're not talking about how you would onboard them or how great the cost savings would be. You know, all of that's irrelevant. You know, it's like walking up to a member of the opposite sex in the bar saying, you know, hi, I'm Peter. Would you like to come home with me? You know, it might work one out of 250 times, but it's just too much. It's too, you're stepping you know, too many steps. So the only thing that you're looking to do is create intrinsic value in your first meeting. And we can do that strategically by you know, a number of different ways. And it, it goes through that in my, my online you know, free training, uh, way too in-depth in to do here. But once you're safe in, in the knowledge that there's intrinsic value that will make sense to your prospects, 
God, you've got so much confidence that, well, actually, if they reply and say we do it in-house or that they're under contract, actually, these are fantastic reasons. You know, they're not objections. They're not stalls. And they're not go away, never contact us again. They're, you know, they're just reasons to engage. So, actually, they are strong reasons to pick the phone up and speak to them. So, my strongest recommendation is always pick the phone up and speak to them. And, I, and I've got a script that allows pretty much anyone to do that very, very easily. Okay. And, uh, and where can we get the script? <laughs> I'll give you the basis of it now, but sure. you know, so so the, the, the opener is, is pretty much you know it's easy. So they've replied to you. You know, even if they say, "Look, we're under contract," or no, let's take the hardest one. Come on, let's put me on the spot. So the hardest one you can ever deal with is, uh, is I'm not interested. Yeah. So I, I guess it's pretty hard. So you get it back. You know, you've got the telephone number because generally they got the direct the direct up. So you get through. So you know, hi John, it's Peter. You know, thanks very much for your your email just now. Look. Uh, yeah, I'm curious. In your email, you said you weren't interested at this time. I've got three quick questions, about 60 seconds. May help us identify if there's a fit, to, I don't know, maybe some time out in the future. So that's the opener of mm -hmm. the script. And it's strategically designed for a number of different reasons. So firstly, if someone says they're not interested... What I've done is you've taken this big amorphous blob of I'm not interested and you've boiled it down to I'm not interested at this specific point in time. Because they haven't said I'm not, I'm not going to be interested yeah. in a month or two months or three months. And that's what most people think. Oh, no, they say they're not interested. I'll never do business with them again. No, you know, they've just said, you know, and they might sure. have had a bad day anyway. So that's the strategic part of that opener. Then... What you haven't said is most bad cold callers, and if any of your listeners are doing outbounds and they're using these phrases, scrap them straight away. Yeah, what the, the phrase you should scrap straight away is, yeah, I won't take more than two minutes. You know, don't ever offer to take someone, take something from someone that you've just met, mm. especially time, which is the least available resource and their most valuable resource. So what I've said is I have three quick questions for no more than 60 seconds so that's addressing the conversation in their head is it me how long is it going to be so three questions no more than 60 seconds right and then it follows up with that may help us identify if they might be a fit i don't know actually maybe sometime out in the future and again that's conversational mm -hmm. and what that's done is alleviate any sales pressure because you're not saying now i'm going to pitch you now it's hey you know i've got three questions and we might find out there might be a fit maybe sometime out in the future and most people kind of see the sense and the logic of that yeah and you get a very very high uh, agreement rate but that opener you use for every single answer and this is why I, I can take guys who are you know 22 fresh out fresh out of university and they've only got one script to learn pretty much right and they can outperform cold call veterans within a couple of months easily wow it's simple because yeah. the the front-end call email has done most of the work, and then you give them one basic script. So then, obviously, the three questions. So what we do is, what we do is we design three questions. Um, and obviously, the first one is a no-brainer that they have to answer yes to. So do, do you have uh, uh, salespeople outbound prospecting? Yes, I do. Hey, great. Okay. So second question. You know, and then the, you just design three questions. Go through a flow. First one and second one. Uh, second one a little bit tougher the third one a little bit more commitment that's an open-ended question and that gives you you know your opportunity to build rapport and engage you know so if they open up and they talk then you can you know use your good questioning skills ah oh, sounds interesting tell me more you know a little bit and then you can just open up that conversation once that has kind of got its natural energy ebb and flow and come to a point where you can then transition to your productized first meeting and that's where people fail because what they want to do is pitch at someone you know i'd love to come and see you and talk about how we could place your business i'd love to come and see you and tell you about how much money we could save you you know and that's wrong so if you've created inherent value in that first meeting here's a kind of the end part of the script once you've had that um that conversation so you, you know look john 
look, based, you know, when we first started, you said you, you weren't interested, but then we talked about this and you said that and, and you said that and you know, I was really interested that you said that and, and this and you pointed that out. You know, so based on everything that you've told me, it seems like you'd be a great fit for a, a first discovery call with my account executive, Steve, because on that call, he will give you three main areas of benefit. He'll give you a, a, an insight into what other market leading companies such as yourself are doing in this area. He'll give you an overview of three very specific strategies that uh, other companies have used to increase X or do Y. You know, and thirdly, he'll leave you a, a copy of a benchmarking study that we've created that shows you know, the five key areas of, of peak performance that companies are focusing on in your industry. You know, something like that, but it obviously has to be specific for the organization. You know, run through that type of process and you know, 50, 60, 70% of the time, most people go, yeah, I can see the logic in that. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, let's do it. That was brilliant. And, uh, and for everybody listening, and, you know, I, was, I was taking notes there as you were talking <laughs> because, uh, you know, there's so... So much of what you were talking about there can be applied in, in, in any face-to-face -face type selling. Um, so just everybody who is listening to that, um, go back and listen to it again. You know, the languaging, the positioning, how, 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 uh, how Peter was walking us through that because that was, that was, that was gold. So fantastic. All right. So we're almost out of time and I'm sorry we're almost out of time because I've still got a ton of questions for you. Um, I've got a ton of answers. <laughs> <laughs> and I believe that. Um, and uh, that was absolutely fascinating because, you know, I'm, I'm a digital entrepreneur and, uh, you know, I've done a lot of outbound selling and had sales teams, but not at that level. And it's been, well, I mean, it's been uh, since I sold my last company, it's been about four years before I've had any significant sales team doing that outbound. And over the last four or five years, what I'm hearing and seeing, the technology that exists for prospecting is phenomenal oh it's you know i i, I, I uh, one month is a long period of time you know there's new tech coming out every day i i monitor this stuff day in day out and i struggle to keep up with you know all the new tech and what can be done yeah. uh, you know so for other companies out there you know trying to do other things you know it's frightening but that's you know that's why i'm here so okay so one more question for you um and that is we talk a lot about prospecting off of LinkedIn, and LinkedIn sort of seems to be the natural place that, you know, if you said, hey, I need to go get B2B or professionals, where would I go? I go to LinkedIn. Are there any yeah. other sources that you're using regularly other than, you know, going out searching in Google for specific types of companies? Is there other sites, networks? Oh, yeah. It's a hard one to, to answer concisely, really, because, you know, LinkedIn, we're building our list from there, but we're not using it as a platform to make contact with people. Yes, there are. There are so many others. Um, uh, you know, there's a there's a service called Ringley Capture. And what I'll do is, you know, if you've got a, say, if you go to a, what, you know, traditionally, it's, it's, it's a spin on an old technique. So if you've got a web page of, uh, you know, all companies within a, a chamber of commerce or all companies within a, a franchise or all companies that are the fastest growth in your industry, you, you just kind of select the whole web page. And it will go away and research them all, find their direct dial numbers, find their email addresses, find their LinkedIn profile, Twitter profile, everything mm -hmm. for you. So that's one way. You know, uh, you know most kind of in, in what we see, most traditional list brokers are, are becoming extinct, you know, unless they up their game. Because this stuff is, you know, the sales loss of the world and those type of services are, you know, we see like 8% bounce rates on some of the good ones when you see 30, 40% wow. lists. Yeah. Uh, because they're being compiled from real-time information. Oh, there's so many. There's a service called You Know Me. Uh, which again is is kind of at the top end. It's not about building hundreds, mm -hmm. um, but that allows you to do some really unique stuff. So one of the unique things they've got there is uh, highly highly statistically relevant uh, breakdowns of people within an organisation. So if you're selling to companies with salespeople, it's always been hard to find them. 
You know, how do you know? You know, Zenefits, the example I've used a couple of times, didn't exist two years ago. They've got about 200 salespeople now. So, you know, so how do you track these companies and what's going on? So you know me as more a trigger event service uh, and you get, you know, it's not about getting thousands of email addresses, it's getting, you know, 100, 200 a month. But one of the key things that they've got that's in them, and, you know, one of their many features is it, it searches through LinkedIn for a company and it, it searches intelligently through all of their employees' profiles and allocates them into buckets. So off that, it makes highly statistically relevant guesses as to how many operations people they've got, how many marketing people they've got, how many sales people they've got, how many HR people they've got. And it's always being updated based on their company profile on LinkedIn, for example. That's incredible. All right. I, I, again, you know, I could keep going on these yeah. shows for hours and well, hours. And we can, but we're out of time. So here's what I <laughs> oh, here's what I want to do because I know there's people that are going to want to learn more from you. Um, where do people go to get more information? I know you. I think you mentioned you have a free course. Yes. So I've got, because a lot of this, it's not just like tweaking a cold calling script. So I've got a, a really in-depth four video free course. And it's at www.the prospectingsystem.com okay so www.theprospectingsystem.com and again you know there's a, a an opt-in there and you get four videos each one is quite meaty you know and i will blow your mind on the stuff that you can do that that is fantastic and and peter i want to thank you so much for just unconditionally sharing all this knowledge all these tools all these resources and for giving so many valuable tips and strategies to to teach a whole bunch of people that probably don't do any outbound selling how to jumpstart this thank you so much my pleasure Fantastic. All right, everyone, that was outbound selling expert Peter O'Donohue. And as always, any links that we've mentioned here, including the ones Peter just mentioned to get access to his free course, will be included in the show notes along with an entire transcript of this episode. And you will be able to find all of them at entrepreneurignited.com forward slash podcast. And uh, also, don't forget, if you haven't done so already, you can automatically have every future episode of this podcast automatically delivered to your smartphone or device. For Apple-made devices, just head over to iTunes, search Derek Gale or Entrepreneur Ignited or Internet Marketing and click subscribe. And if you're an Android user, you can do the same. Just do it on SoundCloud.com. And of course, if you like what you heard today, please leave us a rating or a view on iTunes or SoundCloud. Because you know what? It's your feedback and reviews that are the fuel that gives me that momentum and motivation to continue making this the best info-packed podcast for digital entrepreneurs. So... Now it's time to take the tips, tools, and strategies you've learned here today and apply the final essential ingredient to making that work for you. And that ingredient is action. So go forth, take your action, apply what you've learned, and stay tuned for more info-packed episodes of the Entrepreneur Ignited Podcast, a podcast designed to simplify online business so you can make more money. This is your host, Derek Gale, signing off. You're listening to the Entrepreneur Ignited Podcast, where we aim to simplify online business so you can make more money.